Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Today, we have an awesome guest. Her friends call her the One Woman Bomb Squad. She is the one people send into client or team situations that are tense and threatening to blow up because if anyone can defuse it, she can. And she believes that people and not profits and not processes are the most important part of any business. She helps creative service providers company leaders, and founders become the leaders their business needs to grow and thrive. Her unique style of leadership skills and communication strategy will help you grow your team and your business with more confidence and less stress, all without becoming a completely different person or losing your edge. And she has consulted with and run creative teams for companies like Jeff Walker's Product Lunch Formula, Masterclass, Lowe's, Copy Chief, Orzy Media, and Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dan brand, to name a few. And she has a hybrid business creative degree from Carnegie Mellon University, Master of Entertainment, Industry Management. Her expertise is in turning creative work and intellectual property into viable businesses. And when she's not writing or publishing new episodes of her podcast, Permission to Kick Ass, you'll find her on the road living life as a full-time digital nomad with her semi-insta-famous cats, Stella and Ali. So let's welcome Angie Coley. How are you doing today, Angie? I'm doing good. It's interesting to hear the whole bio read out loud, I think. Yeah. Now, you definitely have an awesome bio, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, getting to know you more and learning more about you. And I'm sure the people listening to this podcast are as well. So, Angela, I'd like to get started by asking you to please share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur? Ooh, that one is a long, windy one. I'll see if I can condense it. Um, I fell into it by accident. Uh, so I, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, I have a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon. And as part of that, I took some screenwriting classes. And in one of those screenwriting classes, a lady who was a journalist mentioned a book to me, and this will come back to play later. So fast forward two years, I'm in what I think is going to be my dream career, TV development in Los Angeles. I worked with some pretty big networks. I had some pretty awesome opportunities and I have landed at where I think, is going to be home, which is the Oprah Winfrey Network right before it launched. Unfortunately, it did not quite work out that way and I got laid off. And that was just, there was a tightening labor market. I had a hard time getting a job after that. I couldn't even temp and things got dire and I had to move out of LA and basically give up on my dream of being in TV development. Uh, And I thought it would be temporary, but somehow in a fit of desperation, when I'm thinking about the fact that I'm going to lose my apartment and everything that I had planned for myself is going wrong. I remembered that book from the screenwriting class and something in my brain said, you should go spend $20 you don't have, because this is before Amazon, go spend $20 you don't have on getting that book from Barnes and Noble right this very second, because you need it. That book was called The Well-Fed Writer by Peter Bowerman. And it was basically about becoming a freelance commercial writer, as he calls it, or a copywriter, if you're familiar with Mad Men, people that write advertisements, right? And I read that book in an afternoon and thought, I could do that. And basically stumbled my way through an entrepreneurial career from that point forward. So I quite literally fell into it out of a desperate need to make some sort of money out of things that I already knew how to do. Uh, And that's the, the short version of my very long story. 
Okay, no, thanks for sharing that. Basically, you just fall into it by chance because uh, you, you know, you had a master's degree, you know, from Carnegie Mellon. You were taking screenwriting, some. You eventually took some screenwriting screenwriting classes. Owen mentioned a book to you, and um, and you got into TV development, which is the career that you wanted. You thought you were going to be in that forever, and you thought that mm -hmm. there were some great things going to happen with Oprah with me Network. And unfortunately, you eventually got laid off, had trouble finding work, and it was. And it got so bad you had to leave LA and um and you had to leave the TV development uh industry. But you remember that book, you spent twenty dollars on it, and you said from then on you worked in your current field, your your you became an entrepreneur. And so could you talk a little bit more about that book and it's how it just totally changed your life? Because this does happen sometimes to people. They 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 have this career planned out, then things happen like they happen to you, and then there's a there's a total shift. And, yeah. and everything changes. So, you know, how did that book change your course? Well, it opened up a new career possibility for me. So I didn't know that copywriting, that freelancing was really a thing before I had. And I mean, I think all of us know in the back of our heads, somebody that talks about being a freelance writer, like a Carrie Bradshaw, Sex in the City type thing. But it just wasn't a real concept to me. I didn't know anybody that was actually doing it. So when I read this book, and it only took me like an afternoon to read it, he's a very good writer, but he made it make sense in a way that I, I would later discover I had other books on copywriting, but they had just gone over my head the first time I'd read them. This was the first one that made sense to me and talk about the power of the right idea at the right time. You know, um, and he broke down that somebody needs to write the commercial that you hear on drive time radio and somebody needs to write the email that shows up in your inbox or the brochure that's on the desk at the place that you did business this afternoon. People write those things. And that was the first time that it made sense where I was like, oh, OK, well, I know all of this about writing TVs and movies and creating the marketing that goes around them. I know all of this stuff. I'm pretty sure I could figure out how to do advertising writing pretty easily. Mm -hmm, got it. Yeah, and that, that does make sense. As, you know, it made you know people write the TV, the movies, the films, the 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 sitcoms, and the and the ads, and you realize that you could do it. So after after you got started, how long did it take you uh, to start getting some success in it? Because you know when you get started in a new field, especially entrepreneurial, it could vary. Sometimes it, you know some people it takes two or three months. Sometimes it could take a year or two. So it varies from person to person how long did it did, did it take before you start seeing results in uh writing and copywriting and freelance writing oh i am you know spoiler alert for everybody listening i'm one of those painfully slow learners and it became obvious to me probably after like 10 to 12 months of slogging it out that i had a twofold problem one i didn't know what i didn't know about copywriting but two i also didn't know what i didn't know about business and i was trying to figure all of this out at the same time which was driving me a little bit crazy course, anybody that's ever done any kind of freelancing whatsoever, I mean, in any kind of business whatsoever, where you're in a service-based business in particular, knows that feast or famine cycle of like, I worked really hard, I landed a couple clients, now I'm working really hard to fulfill on the clients, and I forgot to prospect for new clients, and then we're doing this just kind of lopsided wheel, slow race forward, and I found myself trapped in that and just could not figure out how to get out, and I didn't have the skill set to be able to step back and look and identify what I was doing wrong. So in a flash of insight, I decided, okay, this is too much to figure out all at the same time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get paid to get really good at copywriting. And so I leveraged all of this, you know, disparate experience before I got my master's degree, I was waiting tables. I was a firefighter. 
or the lifeguard instructor, a math, like I took every job under the sun that you could possibly take. And that's why I think I was a little bit heartbroken when I got laid off from that job. Cause it was like, I finally feel like I'm where I'm meant to be. And I got laid off. Uh, but I, I somehow managed to translate all of that disconnected experience into enough of a sales pitch to land a junior copywriting role in-house in San Francisco, where I was living at the time. I moved there after I lost my apartment in LA and leveraged that up into a full-time role, up into I was a senior copywriter and I was running teams. And by that time, I felt confident enough in my copywriting skills and I'd have enough wins to go, okay, now I'm going to hire someone to help me good at, get good at the business side of things so I can try this freelancing thing again. And that's what I did. I left my corporate job in 2016 and I have not been back since. Okay. So basically, you know, you, you were doing all these things. You were, you know, you get these clients and you spend a lot of time working on these projects and then, but you forgot you also need to process. So you, it seemed like you were overwhelmed. You had a lot going on. You yes. weren't sure what to do. And um, and that's really tough when you're, you're you're making these things you don't know what to do, and then eventually you decide just to focus on being copywriter. You got a junior job in San Francisco, later became a senior copywriter, and then you said you hired someone to manage your business. If I understand correctly, and you've been doing that since 2016, correct? I, I hired a mentor to help me a understand mentor. what I was missing. Yeah, perfect. Um, no, no, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And then I'll let you speak in a second because that is something. Uh, a lot of people do not understand. I mean, in every industry, and especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you really need a coach or a mentor to guide you because the mentor has done these things. They can save you so much heartbreak and frustration. They'll save you a lot of time, a lot of hassle. And as you discovered on your own, you were trying to figure out on your own, you're going crazy, but a mentor just showed you all what you needed to do and just saved you. I mean, you're still going to make mistakes, but you're going to make a lot fewer mistakes. And it's, and it's the one thing that's helped so many people become successful. Talk more about your mentor experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I was a senior copywriter at the time and I found this community. He leads a community called Copy Chief, which is a community for copywriters. And I started to see that there was a lot of stuff that I was missing. And even more importantly, I started to see people who lived what I call a different reality from mine. So like back when we talked about freelance writing and sex in the city, and I didn't really have any concept of what a freelance writer looked like. When I joined this community, I finally knew actual real living, breathing people that had freelance roles and had figured out how to make a freelance business work for them. Uh, so the owner of this community, and you mentioned my podcast, he kind of gave me that name because I joined, but I hid and I didn't really talk for several months. And back then the community was small enough that he noticed and he reached out to me and he said, Hey, so why aren't you, why aren't you saying anything? You know, the community could use somebody with your experience. A lot of other people don't know copywriting as well as you do. And I said, but there's so many smart people here that know so much more than me. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. I mean, what's special about what I have to say? And he said the thing that changed my life again, right idea at the right time. He goes, I feel like you're waiting for permission and you don't actually need it. There are people out there that you can help right here, right now, knowing exactly what you know. And all you have to do is decide that you're going to go do that thing. But I also know how hard it is to step out into that expert zone and just own it with confidence. Because if you're waiting for permission, if you need someone to give you permission, I hereby anoint you expert enough, go out there and help people knowing what you know now. Um, 
So I started interacting more in the community. And as I started answering questions of people who were a few years behind me on the freelancing journey, I started to be seen as an expert and people wanted to hire me for mentoring sessions. And then eventually this community leader, his name is Kevin, wanted me to become a coach for one of his programs. And we started working more closely together. And so I'm coaching people in this program, or I'm getting ready to start coaching people in this program. And I am dealing with a incredibly toxic corporate work environment. And Kev you know, came back to me and said, hey, I know how scared you are to make this leap. But remember, even though it feels like you're jumping off a cliff, we got you. We're not going to let you fall. And so he really just showed me how to set up the structure, how to target the people that I wanted to work with and turn down the people that I didn't want to work with, how to calculate what I needed to make sure that my business was profitable. Right? I had a real big problem with a lot of people I know with charging prices that were actually going to make my business sustainable and make me not want to like set things on fire. It's a big, big challenge when you don't have a business background is setting prices that are realistic and are going to help you thrive versus setting prices on what you think people can afford. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned more than you think. Yeah. (laughs) No. uh, And and the the last point about setting prices that, yeah, and people do that all the time. You know, so you're afraid no one's going to buy from you. No one's going to reach out to you if the price is too high. But, you know, one of the things you might have realized is that when you charge it too low, a lot of people won't take you seriously. They're saying, well, she's charging that yes. low. She can't be that good. But when you charge a higher price, they say she knows what she does. Because she, she's charging that 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 higher price. She probably knows what she's so much. She's an expert at it. And that's just sometimes yeah. a lot of people have to learn that the hard way. Don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. But a lot of us are. And I've, I've gone mm-hmm. through that myself in the past. And and I realized oh, up the price a little bit. Hey, they're willing to pay. You'd be amazed. And. They respect you more and they value your time more. They don't try to take yes. advantage of you. And that's definitely a, a great point you uh, you brought up. And you know, and it, and you mentioned that you know when you go into these meetings, a copy chief. Um, you know when you learn the different realities, you learned that people are actually able to do different things, like do this freelance writing. You know, you heard about it, but you actually saw these people doing doing it. And but you were quiet in the beginning, and then because it was a small enough group, the the head guy there, he said. He knows you're being quiet, and, he's, and he and he said he he could tell you were waiting for permission. He told you you don't need it, but in case you did need it, he gave you the permission to do it, and you started taking action. And then you know you started you know giving advice, helping you, and then you were seen as an expert. And then this guy Kevin asked you to be a coach for his program, and then he helped you know he helped guide you. And, you know again doing the things like what kind of clients accept, what kinds of what. Because sometimes in the beginning you're willing to take everyone as a client, and that's a yes. big no no. You you regret yeah. it later on, and and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 some of them can be very toxic and uh, they super high maintenance. And that's the other thing. You charge too low a price, the ones that take it, usually the ones that pay little, they usually did the most high maintenance. Usually the ones that mm-hmm. pay more are usually the easier to deal with because they, they understand the value what you're giving them. People who pay a smaller price don't. So was that your experience with those kind of toxic people? Yeah. And I mean, there's always exceptions to the generalities, but by and large, that is super accurate that the people that pay the least expect the most. And the reason for that is simple as you start to get more familiar with business concepts, because what you're charging them, even if it's a small amount, is such a huge part of their monthly revenue that it's a huge risk for them to invest in you. And that's exactly why it makes much more sense to charge higher prices and go after people with bigger operating budgets than a lot of newer freelancers that I get involved with, you know, in graphic design, in marketing, in freelance, in copywriting, they will go after people. They say, I want to help small businesses. I really want to help people that are like trying to break through to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I go, oh, sweetheart, no, hundred thousand dollars on the surface 
is a big number, right? And a lot of people in the United States who have barely made $50,000, $60,000 a year are just aiming for that level. But like take 20% off the top for taxes and take another 20% off for what you're going to have to invest in equipment. Like I'm sitting here in my podcast studio. That's all stuff that I had to pay for. I'm a virtual assistant. I have all of these expenses that, you know, granted, since I'm a freelancer, I've been able to keep my operational costs low than say somebody opening a physical storefront, right? All of this stuff costs. By the time you take all of that stuff off the top, you're probably bringing in less than you did at your full-time job. So don't aim at somebody who's making $100,000 a year because they're just barely treading water with all of the expenses that they've got to pay out now. If you're aiming at somebody, make sure that they've got a monthly budget, right? Um, just think about 10, if you wanted to make $5,000 a month, who would you need to target and how much would they be needing to make per month in order to make $5,000 affordable? That will change the entire way you approach business. That means that you won't be aiming after somebody who's making $100,000 a year because you know that they can't afford your fees flat out. And no. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, you, you have to look at the big picture and you gave a great description of that because like someone hundred K but has all these other expenses after taxes, all these other things, it could be 50, 60 K and maybe they can't afford your services. So maybe yeah. you, you diminish should be maybe 200 or 300 K because you figure 200 K they can at least get a hundred thousand now. So you have to take mm -hmm. and like you said, make sure they have a monthly budget and see how much that budget is. And if they don't have the budget, then you're wasting your time and you're wasting their time. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so definitely some good pieces of advice there. So now you talked about all the things you went through, you know, when you got started, and, you know, the ups and the downs, the, the the mistakes you made and then the things you learned from your mentor. Now, someone who wants to get become an entrepreneur and it could be in any industry, you know, what would you recommend to them getting started, what they what they should focus on and what they should avoid? Mm, I would say. Well, I mean, you touched on it earlier, and I think it's brilliant and worth repeating, which is you're not for everyone. So figure out who you are for. Um, one of the biggest eye openers of my career was, you know, again, when I first got into copywriting and I'm in this professional, very corporatized world in San Francisco, uh, you may, I, I don't know if people are going to see the video or not, you may notice this little shiny thing in my lip that I always had to take out and cover for meetings because it's unprofessional to have your piercings and tattoos showing. I couldn't do the wild, crazy red hair that I have now in those environments. And I remember going to a copywriting event and having drink at the bar, getting a little friendly. And we somehow wound up telling stories about getting in mosh pit fights in our 20s. I'm a little bit of a rocker chick in case you can't tell. <laughs> and that was the first time in my career that I'd had somebody lean forward and go, who is that? Tell me more. That's really interesting. And I had always hidden that part of myself for fear that it was unprofessional or that it would turn people off to working with me, that uh, it would disqualify me, disqualify me for jobs that I really, really wanted to work on. And what I've learned since is to embrace the rough edges of who I am. That's who I am. And the right people get it and the wrong people don't. And that's fine because there's somebody out there that's right for the people that are wrong for me. 8 billion people on the planet, we can all find somebody to help us out, right? There's more than enough opportunity to go around. So I get to be who I can be and own permission to kick ass in all its glory. And you get to be who you are too. Uh, absolutely. Uh, number one, I like you, 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 you mentioned, you, you got to realize you're not for everyone. You got to figure out who's your perfect customer, your perfect avatar and focus on them. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Your market is not the whole world. It's like a certain uh, subset of people. And if you try to market to everyone, you're going to market to no one. So you got to focus on the yes. people you know that need what you have to offer. And you're going to do so much better and you know, you're going to be a lot more successful. And and I like, you know, you shared your story. You realize, yeah, you know, you, you could be a little rough around the edges, but you're being yourself when you try. And very often we all fall into this because we're afraid. We, we think we need to act a certain way because we don't think people like us. People won't accept us. People won't do business with us. But the truth is, number one, if you try to be someone else, it's hard because you're putting mm-hmm. out an act and you're not happy. But when you're yourself, you're more relaxed, you're happier. And you said the right people are going to enjoy it. They're going to want to work with you. And those that don't, that's okay. There are 8 billion people in the world. Some will like you, some will not. No, no big deal. Yeah. But as long as you're able to act like yourself, people will appreciate you. And you know what? You're going to be happy because you don't have to put out a funny, you have to put out an act. And and there are going to be plenty of people who are going to like you for who you are. And that, I know that's been your Amen. experience over the past seven years. So definitely some good stuff. So now um, with your experience, now, now if the point comes, you, 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 you want to write a book tomorrow, what would that book be about? Oh, I've already got a book in the works and it's called Permission to Kick Ass. It's, it's a letter to a younger me uh, from that, that very first iteration of my freelance business. It's everything that I wish I had known. So if you're thinking about uh, breaking into freelancing that's coming in December of 2023. But if I had to write a new book that was not that one, I would probably write either a story, uh, um, the stories of my travels, because I've been a digital nomad for the last two and a half years. And, or I would write an essay book about growing up in my family, tentatively titled Farts Are Funny, I Don't Care Who You Are. <laughs> that's funny. I don't <laughs> care who you are. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, actually, and also the uh, um Number one, I like that permission to get cast a letter to your younger self, you know, because, yeah, because well, we always like to go back to 10, 15 years ago and say, man, if I were young, I wish I had known this. So it's OK to mm-hmm. do this, OK not to do that. So I'm sure when that book comes out in December 2023, it's going to be an awesome read. And um, in another one you talked about was the story of your child. So you've been a digital nomad for uh Two and a half years. So you might talk a little bit more about that because a lot of people, you know, yeah. they they have these dreams of traveling all around the world. Like you, so you probably can just take your laptop, you go all around the world, you just work from anywhere that you that you are, and yeah. you're you have that business, you're making money, or you're probably meeting a lot of great uh, different interesting people. So you talk a little bit more about that lifestyle because I know a lot of people yeah. like to have that. Maybe it might give people some hope that if they want it, they can do it as well. Well, it's true. And, you know, it ties so perfectly into what we were talking about, about being yourself, because I did my own virgin, version of Digital Nomad. There are some people that pack up and they move overseas and they live somewhere for a couple of years. Thailand is a hot spot. I know several people who have lived there. I had a number of constraints working against me. And so I made Digital Nomadism my own. So I had to, I made this choice as the result of an unexpected breakup. My partner and I had been in the process of buying a house he and I split. I didn't know where to go, but I knew that Houston didn't really feel like home. And I wanted to find the next place that felt like home. So I just decided to take this show on the road. And so I had to get rid of just about everything I own. I had to make peace with the fact that I would not technically have a place to live. I don't like to call myself homeless because I still have shelter. I still have people that will take me in, right? But I don't have a mortgage or an apartment or a place to come back to. I had to get rid of most of my stuff to make this possible. And I packed what little I had left in my cat in my car and just drove to different locations and stayed in places usually between four and six weeks. 
just wanted to get a feel for what the local environment was like, see tourist traps and local sites and try all of the food and just immerse myself in different places to see what feels like home. And the more I did it, the more I was like, there's more to explore. I can't make a decision yet. So <laughs> it's just kind of turned into this never ending journey. I'm not sure when it's going to end, but so far I'm enjoying it. Uh, definitely. That sounds really cool. Now, thanks for sharing that. Basically, it happened after you and your partner broke up. You, you decided after a while to take the show on the road and you got rid of most of your stuff. And uh, basically, you do it differently than most of you. Like you said, some people that might live in Thailand for a couple of years or France or wherever. Um, mm -hmm. But you're staying in place mostly four to six weeks. You're looking at all the local sites, service sites and the local food. You're enjoying it. So you're going from place to place. And that's really being truly a digital nomad. And you're having so much fun. You know, you've been doing it for two and a half years. You don't know when you're going to stop. Maybe another two and a half years. Maybe another, maybe another five years. But you're enjoying it. Your 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 business is still doing well because you can still do your copywriting, your freelancing, no matter where you are. So, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that's going to be a very interesting uh, book when it comes out because I'm sure you're going to have a lot of great stories to share with people and. Uh, yeah. Do you also take the, do you do a lot of videos like where you go to these different places? Cause I'm sure people would like to see videos of some of these uh, places you go visit. I know I have photos and videos, but I didn't do a great job of sharing. And that kind of ties into why I mentioned the breakup at the beginning. That's not something that I really wanted to, to associate with, but um, I did not share the majority of my travels because to me, it was also like a healing process, which is why oh, I think it's yeah. probably all going to come out in a book eventually. Um, and in fact, I want to say like eight months in, I was in Savannah, Georgia, and I'm sitting on this gorgeous front, like the two story front porch with the columns and the ceiling fans going and it's August. And somebody had messaged me. It was just like one time too many that week. You need to write about your travels. Share your pictures. We all want to follow along and live vicariously through you. And keep in mind, this is August 2021. So the country is still very much in like pandemic shutdown mm -hmm. mode. They're, the first wave of vaccines had gone out. It doesn't really matter what side of the fence you fall on, what you believe on that score. There were still a lot of restrictions in place, a lot of uh, capacity limitations and things like that. And I was frustrated because there was all this, I felt I put this pressure on myself probably, but people were like, tell us about your adventures. We want to live vicariously through you. And I kind of blew up and I wrote like a 3000 word blog, blog post called, I don't want to be your effing breakup guru. <laughs> because in my mind, writing about my travels meant that I had to share all my dirty laundry to break up. Yeah. I mean, all of that to say, again, you get to do things your own way. Uh, I'm not an Instagram famous digital nomad, but I'm out there doing digital nomadism the way that works for me. I've gotten to see some incredible sites, meet some awesome people. I went hot air ballooning when I was in Santa Fe. I did llama yoga when I was in Atlanta. Uh, and every little weird, strange thing that pops up, I get to say yes to. And I love that. I love that life. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. You get to do things your own way, like the hard air ballooning and all these other things you're doing. You can try these uh, wherever you go. And you say, hey, this sounds cool. This sounds good. I'm going to give it a shot. Then that's all that really matters. As long as you're enjoying yourself, yep. you're having fun, you're you're loving life, and you're having a good time, that's the most important thing. And down the road, whenever you want to share that book, you'll do it. But uh, at your own pace, at your own time, you do it how you want it, not what everyone else does. Because you got to be you. And I totally agree with you. Now, as we're coming toward the end of our uh, interview are there any other last uh pieces of advice you like to leave you like to leave for our audience mm. 
I would say your timing is your own. So resist the urge to feel like you need to move so much faster than you're going or a hell of a lot slower than you're going. But usually we're in the place that we're at because we need to learn something or things still haven't quite clicked together in a way that lets us move to the next stage. So try to think of the timing, even if you're frustrated at it going slow or feeling like it's slipping through your, your fingers, try to stay right here in this present moment and give yourself grace, give yourself acknowledgement and credit for all the work that you're doing, how hard you're trying, how you get up every day and try again. Even if today it's just trying to stay awake because I'm too tired and I need a nap. You know, that happens to all of us. All entrepreneurs have bad days. All entrepreneurs go through periods where they feel like they're a total failure and they should just give up. And to you, I say, it's your own path. It's your own timing. It gets to look messy. It gets to look not perfect. And you'll still get where you need to go if you keep on going. Absolutely. I agree with you. Your timing is your own. You know, Go at your own pace. Stay here in the present moment. Give yourself some credit for the work that you do. You're going to have your up days, your down days. Everyone works at a different pace. There's some people who hit that success very quickly. Some people take long. Some take a few years. People, some some people take eight, ten years. It's just yes. the, everyone's journey is different. But the important thing is embrace the journey. Don't give up. Learn from other people. Learn from mentors. And just learn from watching other people because success leaves clues. And be patient yes. with yourself. And um, your time is going to come. Yes, and don't give up. So definitely some really good stuff. Listen, Angie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was a real pleasure having you on. You share a lot of great value, a lot of great tips. And uh, again, thanks again for being on the show. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? I say go to permission to kickass.com. That's all one word. You can sign up for emails there. I will keep you up to date with what's going on in my life. Uh, I also have a show by the same name, Permission to Kick Ass, available on all major streaming services. I should have you on that show, uh, Victor, because we talk about a lot of the same stuff. I like to call it a seat at the bar after the business conference is over, where we talk about what business really looks like. I love and that. It is not the shoot the suit and tie shiny presentation thing that you just saw on stage at the conference. I can promise you that. <laughs> Sounds good. I'd definitely be up for that. Again, thanks again for being on the show, Andrea. I really appreciate it. Have yourself an amazing day. You too. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.